even though I have given you the power to do something, it does not happen automatically every time. That there are some times that that ability has to be linked with the discipline of prayer. Welcome to Treasure Truth with Pastor and author James Ford Jr. I'm Steve Hiller and glad that you joined us as today we're beginning a new series called The ABCs of Prayer. And Pastor, as we just heard, sometimes God has given us natural gifts and abilities and we are able to go out and to do things and to serve Him effectively. As you say, though, sometimes that ability has to be linked to the discipline of prayer. Why is that? Well, it's just like taking a lamp. The lamp has the potential to light up the room, but it has to be plugged into the power source. Mm. Prayer is the believer's power source. I think a lot of us may kind of forget that. And, and even though we maybe have a basic understanding of that, we don't live that out. We, we tend to struggle with prayer. In fact, I don't know any Christian who says, I, I'm happy with my prayer life. It's everything I want it to be. Why do you think it's such a struggle? Well, you know, I'll tell you what, Steve, here's what happens. And, and it's tragic, but it's true that sometimes prayer is just like the spare tire in the trunk of our automobiles. We don't think about using it until we get a flat. And so uh, I like to say this all the time, uh, that prayer is uh, 411 and 311, and we've turned it into 911. And so we use it in emergencies only. And that's tragic that this is the unlimited power of God and we fail to utilize the resources that God has given us to be able to be and to live an effective Christian life. Well, the series is called The ABCs of Prayer. And our message today is prayer back to basics. If you were to lay out some of the basics of a prayer life for the believer, what would those basics include? Well, you need to use every facet and every aspect of prayer. So I know of nine in the Bible, everything from adoration to lamentation. And you need to set up a period of time where you are consistently going to God in prayer. I have an altar and it's my couch in the morning. And -hmm. that's where I meet with the Lord. I met with him this morning. And uh, sometimes uh, I open my mouth and, and say something, and other times I listen to what he has to say by his spirit. And I think that right there is one of the things where even if you are in the habit of prayer, being able to listen to his spirit, that still small voice, is incredibly difficult for many of us to do. Because we lead busy lives, our minds tend to wander, and then you begin to wonder. At least I do. You begin to kind of second-guess yourself. I'm like, all right. Is that the prompting of the Spirit, or is that my mind? That's just sometimes kinda... that, that happens all the time, and you just continue the role with it. When we're led by the Spirit of God, often what will happen, sometimes we will sing to the glory of God, we'll sing to Him. Yeah. Often I will, in my devotional time, and I, I don't say, He is Lord, I say, You are Lord, and I address Him. Sometimes the Spirit of God will lead you to be silent, sometimes He'll lead you to speak, but Don't forget this, Steve, that when we talk about having a conversation with God, it is a conversation. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a conversation and you're the only one speaking, that's not a conversation. Many of us, we tend to know that God does speak to us through his word. But in times of prayer, often it's, uh, as you say, 
a one-way conversation where we're just pouring our hearts out to him and maybe asking requests and not necessarily listening to that still small voice or even having our Bibles open in front of us. Because I often find in times of prayer, that is one of the most impactful times for my prayer life is when I actually have my Bible open in front of me and I look, okay, what is he saying to me through his word? That's right. You need that. Most definitely. Well, speaking of opening your Bibles, I hope that you'll grab your copy of God's Word and join us in Luke chapter 9 as we begin this message, Prayer, Back to Basics. Here's Pastor Ford. Okay, so we're studying prayer. Let me just, by way of introduction, talk about the fact that in Luke chapter 9, uh, you've got a, a, a situation going on in Luke chapter 9. Jesus and his inner circle. Who was his inner circle? Just holler it out. Peter, James, and John. That's right. Peter, that was his inner circle. Now, I want to make sure we know it was his inner circle because most of us would call it a clique. Jesus and his clique. But of course, we know Jesus don't clique. So uh, he's not in the clicking. So it's his inner circle that there were individuals that Jesus was closer to than he was to everybody else, right? So who was in the middle? John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, who lay on his breast at the Last Supper. And then Peter, James, and John, who had experiences that nobody else had. Then the 11, and then the 70, and then the crowd, and then you had everybody else. So Jesus had people with whom he was close, and they were closer to him than other folk. I just wanted to just say that. I know it ain't got nothing to do with prayer, but sometimes we we need to know you ain't going to be friends with everybody. As a matter of fact, most people would accuse him of nepotism because who were his cousins? James and John. They were his first cousins. Amen. So Jesus, according to this passage, just left with the inner circle from the Mount of Transfiguration. Now that's where Jesus' glory was revealed, where his deity shone through his humanity. And where God the Father declares for the second time that he is God in the flesh. Where was the first time? Holler it out. At his baptism. Right. At his baptism. And so at his baptism, the Father spoke. And what did he say? He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Then the second time at the Mount of Transfiguration, He added something to it, didn't he? Hear ye him. You know what he was doing? He was saying, the first time I told you who he was, you wasn't listening. So now I got to say it again, hear ye him. And so we said then he gives to his son what every father ought to give to his son or sons. And that is what? This is my son. That is acknowledgement. He is beloved, affection, in whom I'm well pleased. Somebody help me out. And whom I appreciation and hear ye him attention. And so the father cries out. So they leave the Mount of Transfiguration and they go down to a valley of trial. And usually after the triumph, there's a test. 
So if you don't believe me, ask Elijah. As a matter of fact, you can ask the Lord Jesus Christ. After he was baptized, then he went into the wilderness uh, to be tempted of the devil. So Jesus and the three, according to Luke 9, they come down from the Mount of Transfiguration and they come down to where the other nine are and they had a problem with casting a devil out of or some demons out of a demon-possessed boy. When Jesus comes on the scene, the context tells us that the father uh, saw Jesus, went to him and said, I heard that your disciples were casting out devils. And so I came to them and said, my son has a demon, cast him out. And he said, verse 40, they could not. Now that's a sad commentary that they brought the boy for him to have the devils cast out and they could not. When Jesus comes on the scene, if you look what was going on, they found a distraught father, but they also found something else. He found scribes that were looking at the failure of the disciples and saying, you know what? I thought you were a Christian. I thought you loved Jesus. I thought, in other words, they looked at them and their failure, and they used it as an opportunity to criticize them and Jesus. I just wrote a note. I know I'm going somewhere, but let me, let me just explain what's in the context. I, I wrote this. Whenever we fall, we open up opportunities for Jesus's enemies to criticize him and us. That is, we divert their attention from their need of the gospel to our failure to live the gospel that we say they need. And so you remember what Nathan told David, the enemies of God, 2 Samuel 13, blaspheme him because of what you did. Well, this is Bible study. Let me move on. So then the, in the synoptic gospels, give somebody the mic. They're going to tell us what it means. What synoptic mean? There's a hand right there. What's it mean? What synoptic mean? What does it mean? Okay, so it means to see together, sin together, S-Y-N, together, optic, see. So to see together. So it is a correlation or a compilation, each of them, each of them writing, and they're writing from their particular uh, perspective. So there's never a contradiction. It's always a matter of perspective. So then if a doctor came upon an accident and a common everyday person came upon an accident and uh, uh, a lawyer came upon an accident, they'd all see different things. The doctor would see a sick person, the untrained person would see, you know, a, a, an accident and the lawyer would see a lawsuit. So they'd all see something different. Matthew, uh, Mark and Luke say that disciples and the scribes are debating they're majoring on the minors. So they're arguing theology when people need duology. I'll move on. So what do we have? We have the disciples defending, the scribes accusing, the fathers despairing, the demons are raising Hades, and the son is suffering. So when you look at this boy, here's what Matthew says. Matthew says he's an epileptic and he's suicidal. So he's falling in the fire uh, to burn himself or in the water to drown himself. Then Mark says, he adds something else, he's a mute, he can't speak, and he's always falling to the ground and foaming at the mouth. 
And then Luke says he screams and he convulses. So I don't, I don't know how he's doing that. If he's a mute, maybe he just can't articulate words, but he can make sounds. I don't know. But doubtlessly, when we look at this young man, the father probably had tried many times to get the boy help. So he probably went to a psychiatrist and what he found out is demons can't be psychoanalyzed. They probably prescribed Prozac, Dilantin, Depakote, or Lithium, or Respiridol. And they found out that demons can't be medicated. So he hears about a group of individuals Guys who are casting out demons, he brings them to the disciples, and the sad word in ver- verse 40 is, I brought them to your disciples to cast the demon out of my son, and they could not. We're listening to Treasure Truth with pastor and author James Ford Jr. We do have to pause the teaching right here, but we'll get back to it in just a moment. If you ever miss any portion of a broadcast or maybe you've missed a previous broadcast in a series, you can always come to our website and listen to each and every program there. Our website address is treasuretruthradio.org. You can simply stream programs. You can download MP3s or even order copies on CD. Again, our website address, it's treasuretruthradio.org. You know, a couple other ways that you might want to listen to the program. You can always sign up to begin podcasting the program. That's a great way to listen on the go, but so is having the Moody Radio app. Now, the app is free, and it's available for your Apple and Android products. And in addition to Treasure Truth, you're going to find other Moody Radio programs and Internet radio stations. Now, this is a great way for you to listen on the go when it's convenient for you. You'll find links to the app when you come to our website. It's treasuretruthradio.org, or you can also look on iTunes, the Amazon App Store, or Google Play. Well, let's get back to our message. Once again, here's Pastor Ford. Now, here's the point that I want to make, and I'm going to move on to and pick up where we were. Here now we have this situation, and they couldn't cast out. Now, they had been. Mark says in Mark 6, verses 7 and 13, that they were casting out devils. They were having a great time. But now they could not. Luke doesn't tell us why not, but Matthew tells us why in Matthew 17, 21. Why could they not cast this child out? You already know it. Why? I mean, the demon out. Because Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21, this kind cometh forth by nothing. NIV just says prayer. And King James says prayer and fasting. I don't know what translation you have, but, but here it is. Either part or full. Why couldn't they do it? Prayer. That's why they couldn't do it. Because they did not pray. Now, here's the thing that gets me. Look at Luke 9.1. Luke 9.1. I'm trying to show you why we need to come back to prayer. Luke 9.1. Then he called his disciples, his 12 disciples together, and gave them power and authority over some devils, over most devils, almost almost devils. What does all mean? So then, this text tells us that they should have been able to cast them out. Because what's our first inclination? Well, maybe they couldn't because Jesus limited their power, which would be the only way that you could fail to do something 
that he's given you power to do. But this text says he gave them power over all demons. That means then that since he gave them power over all demons, they should not have had a problem casting that demon out of that boy. But now what does he do? He hooks prayer and fasting in with what he's given people the ability to do. And he, here's what he's saying. Even though I have given you the power to do something, it does not happen automatically every time. That there are some times that that ability has to be linked with the discipline of prayer. And if you don't have that, then there'll be some things that will defy you, even though you did go to Moody Bible Institute or took a class at Maranatha Bible Institute, you still won't be able to do it. And so what was happening? The failure to pray. So some of us pray and our prayers are ancillary. Say, so what is that? It's just another word that means it's, it's a spare tire, like the spare tire in our automobile. We never think about it until we have a flat tire. For some of us, it's ancillary. For some of us, it's just asking. So prayer is, I got a need. I got to go to God. I've got to pray. Help me. Give me. Provide for me. And that's not what it's all about. So we want to go back because we understand that God has given us prayer and prayer is one of uh, the five disciplines that every believer needs in order to grow to Christian maturity in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm preaching to the choir. We're really getting basic, aren't we? Because you already know this. So that means I ought not have any trouble out of anybody up in here, up in here, up in here, that we ought to run through this real quick so that I can go on and do what I got to do. So every believer ought to know that there are five biblical disciplines that you need. And if you don't get all five of them, I don't care who you are, how much you know, you are not going to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ like you ought to be growing. Now give me the five. This ABC stuff, this ain't even ABC stuff. This is preschool of Christian faith. This ain't even kindergarten. Come on. Well, we talking about what? Prayer. And then remember, we're going to talk about, well, I hope we get to it today, 11 aspects of prayer in Scripture. Now, if you find more, help me out, and then I'll, I'll increase my number. But there are 11 aspects of prayer in Scripture. What else? Give, give somebody the mic. Raise your hand. Get the mic. I need it on tape. Bible. Bible. So we need the Word of God. The Word of God. And like I said, you can always help me out. But as far as I know, there are 10 areas, 10 different facets of what we need to do in the word of God. So we need to more, do more than read it. We need to do what? Come on, holler it out. Just holler it out. And I'll just repeat it. Study it. Meditate. Memorize. Apply it. Share it. On and on it goes. All right, what's the next thing? Fellowship. 
And that is Hebrews 10, 25, right? Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. So then Acts chapter 2, verse 41, and they continue steadfastly in the apostle doctrine, in the breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer. So that fellowship is both spiritual and, come on, help me out, Spiritual, I bet it starts with an S, and social. See, people complain. Somebody said to me one time, well, you know, I'm at church all the time. You know, I come to Bible study on Wednesday. I'm, I'm in the choir on Thursday. And then I, I work in the food pantry on Saturday. Then I come Sunday. That's four days out of seven. Well, read Acts chapter 2. They were in church every day. Now, they didn't have a building like this. They met in homes, but they got together every day. How'd you like for us to have a service every night? I know what you're saying. You'd have it by yourself. <laughs> Amen. Well, I, would that be true? Because I wouldn't be here every night. So then fellowship. If you don't get these things, you don't grow. Give me the other two. Come on. Witnessing. Somebody said it. Witnessing. That is sharing Christ with people. And what do we do? It's the best definition I've ever heard, still, is the late, great Bill Bright. He said, witnessing is sharing Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. Still the best definition that I've ever heard of what it means to witness. Sharing Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. I ain't got to worry about, well, I should have said that scripture. No, no, you said what God wanted you to say. And how come this was always the last one? I'm telling you, it's the truth. No matter where I do this, everybody says this one lasts. What is it? Stewardship. I'm telling you, it never fails. As a matter of fact, sometimes most people don't even know it. So they don't say, well, I don't know. What's the fifth one? What's the fifth one? Stewardship, and that's your what? Come on, your time, your talent, and your treasure. Really, five fundamental disciplines for spiritual growth today. Well, you're listening to Treasure Truth with Pastor James Ford Jr., and our message is entitled Prayer Back to Basics. You'll find it along with the complete series of the ABCs of Prayer when you visit our website. Just go to treasuretruthradio.org. Well, now, we only have time to touch on some of these basic disciplines today, but there's a resource that we'd like you to have that can take you a lot deeper. It's a book by A.W. Tozer called The Pursuit of God. Now, Tozer was a pastor and a self-taught theologian whose powerful writings continue to change lives today. And The Pursuit of God deals with the riches of God's grace and exposes roadblocks that may keep us from drawing near to Him. As you read his book, you're going to fall in love with God again and find your faith renewed all the while gaining new enthusiasm for reaching out to your neighbors with the gospel. Now, to give your gift of any amount and request The Pursuit of God, call 888-644-7660. Or you can give your financial gift and request this book online. Just come to treasuretruthradio.org. You know, The Pursuit of God isn't a long book. It's devotional in style, and it's filled with enough deep insight to last you a lifetime. As you read it, you're going to be drawn into a deeper relationship with the only one who can really feed your soul. So contact us today with a gift of any amount, and we're going to send you The Pursuit of God with our thanks. Again, our number is 888-644-7660, or come to our website, treasuretruthradio.org. 
Well, I'm Steve Hiller. Our producers are Amy Rios, Mark Breda, and Nathan McMillan. Join us again next time when Pastor Ford continues our journey back to the basics of prayer. Treasure Truth is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.